0: What? Gosh, you guys are going to get me in so much trouble. If you uh, looked at the front of your bulletin cover, you'll notice that it says, are you a friend of sinners? How many of you have friends that are sinners? Why are they still sinners? Gotcha. Because they what? Because they're just mean, unbelieving, nasty people. Why are they your friends then? I mean, what in the world? John chapter 15, please turn there. Little boy was in math class and his teacher noticed him daydreaming, was a little frustrated with him, and so she thought, well, I'll catch him. So she goes, "Uh, Johnny, what's 2, 5, 7, 9, and 11? He thought for a moment, he said, CBS, NBC, ABC, WGN, and PBS. Kid's a genius. Another little boy was in Sunday school, and the teacher said, we've been studying about kings and queens in the Old Testament. Now, how many of you realize that there's probably, there, not probably, there's a higher power than kings and queens? Little boy raised his hand. Oh, I know this one. Aces. <laughs> Needless to say, he uh, had an interesting family life. But I want to talk to you tonight about Jesus being accused of being a friend of sinners. And I want to to do something with the Bible, if you'll let me. And that is, I I want to exchange a couple of words for the word friends. I want you to begin, and we're going to look at this a little more in depth in a few minutes, but... I want you to look at the Great Commission where Jesus said all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth, go now and make disciples. I want to change the word disciples to friends. Go and make friends. I want you to try to imagine with me that uh, someday when we stand before God, I'm hoping that he would say, well done, thou good and faithful friend. You've been faithful in a, in a few things. I'm going to help you. I'm going to let you rule over many things or come on into the joy of the Lord. I'm, I've just been fascinated with this word friends and what, a, what the word friend means. I want to talk about that, four qualities of a friend, if you want to write these down in your sermon notes. But uh, in John 15, Jesus begins to communicate, or he he's actually spends a long time talking to his disciples. And in John chapter 15, um, Beginning in verse number nine, I just want to, just want to grab a snapshot out of, out of uh, Jesus' uh, communication here with his disciples. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this. So that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I learned from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. I'm just crazy enough to believe that when Jesus is talking about going and bearing fruit, that he's talking about making friends. Making friends. Just go make friends. The Lord laid this kind of amazing analogy on my heart and mind. And it's this I want us to stop being one kind of church and start being this other kind. The kind I want us to stop being, not that I don't think we're really that much, but some churches are really this way. They're like a hospital. Like the emergency room in a hospital. Now, how, what kind of attitude do most people have when they come into the emergency room of a hospital? Nervous, anxious. They're what, oh, fix me. They are hurt, they hurt. They're just hurting. You know, and they're selfish. You know, they don't want to wait. I don't want to wait. I had it, you know. I could relate to Kelly Spencer, who just kind of finally got done with his kidney stone issue. But I, first one I ever had, I drove myself to the hospital and I got walked into the emergency room. Said, "I, I am, I am hurting so bad that either you need to help me or I will kill someone." <laughs> Fortunately, that was long enough before terrorism that I wasn't immediately arrested and spent the rest of the time dying in a cell somewhere. But I was in such horrible pain for them to tell me, well, here, if you'll just please sit down and fill out this paperwork. No, you don't understand. I have no intention of filling out paperwork. I'm dying here. I hurt. Fix me. I want a doctor now. You see, too many people come to church with that same sense. They may not be vocal or crazy like that. But they come in with this attitude of, I'm hurting I want, to get, I want to be fixed. Not in the animal sense, but I want to be corrected. I want to be fixed. I want the main person to come and take care of me. I want the pastor to take care of me. I don't want to wait. I don't want to sit in line. I, don't want, I just want to be taken. Make me feel better. How many of you have ever gone to church with that sense? Dear God, help me feel better. Lord, help the pastor say something that will make me feel better. I just want to feel better. If church has become that it becomes like a hospital or an emergency room where not only do are we hurting we're also hoping someone else pays for it. Right? Man I hope my insurance covers this. I don't want to pay for this. We don't go there with a sense of wanting to belong. I don't want to belong here. I don't want to do whatever. Tyler, are you okay? Are you lost? Okay, good. Well, let me know if I'm interrupting, okay? I'm so sorry. But they come seeking help. There's no connection with others. How many of you go to the emergency room to just make friends, just kind of meet new people? I dare you, sometime when you're having a little fellowship time with some of your buddies, say, hey, let's go to the hospital and hang out at the emergency room, see who we can meet or pick up. That, that evening will be done. Or, hey, let's go out to eat. I know, let's go to the hospital. The cafeteria there is awesome. That's sick. Only sick people go there. We don't go there. And, that, and I, have this, I have this feeling that there are t- um, we're losing young people today because they see the church like a hospital. The only people that go there are the sick and the needy people that can't make it on their own. They're hurting, they're whining. That's the people that need to go to church. I don't need to go to church. I'm good. I don't need that. They don't realize how desperately they need it. But the, if, that, if, that, if that sense starts to flow in, the people, in people's minds... They're not coming to church. How many of you have ever tried to invite someone to church and they said, ooh, church? No thanks. Ever done that? Stop telling them that it's church. Tell them it's a concert. Hey, you want to come with? There's a concert. I'm going to a concert Sunday morning or Saturday night. I'm going to a concert. Really, who's playing? Oh, it's some new group. They're really cool. And then, yeah, some guy gets up and talks a little bit after, after that, but it's, yeah, it's totally cool. It won't even cost you anything. It's like free. Come on. And once they walk in the door going, hey, is this a church? Well, kind of, sort of. Just wait. Just stay. Just hang out. Hang out. Trust me on this one. See, we, we have a tendency of shooting ourselves in the foot, when we throw out that word, because the word church, the enemy has so twisted that in our, in our society today that when people hear the word church, immediately weird pictures come to mind. And we need to, we've got to somehow get away from that idea that the church is a hospital. So what should the church be like? I want this church to become this, like a health club. Stop laughing, this is serious. I'm serious, no really, think about a health club, you go there intentionally, you join it, you pay your own way, you go there to be strengthened, you go there to get empowered, to challenge, to build relationships. How many young people today, if you said, hey, I'm going to the health club, you want to come? You got to line up. They go there to hang out. Why? Why do they do that? I've been to a health club once or twice. Round is a shape. I'm in shape. So there. Stop it. But this sense of a health club, and again, we, you know, we have one out there at Dell Webb. I mean, there aren't any young people there, but there's a lot of older people. And it's funny, in that health club, you hear a lot of Ow! Oh, ow! Jorns know what I'm talking about. But there's a sense of, you develop a sense of camaraderie there. You, you build relationships. You, you find friends there. We, there used to be, well, Bally's Health Club was here, right here in Mount Prospect. Years when we lived here in Mount Prospect, we, we would go there periodically. And they had a little old German lady that worked there named Mina. And she was like the usher. She's like the Ed Olexi of the health club. She would check on you. I'd come in, Fred, where have you been? You've missed like three or four days in a row. What's going on? You need to be here. You need to work out. You know you need this. She would preach at me. And I would, yeah, okay, Mina, whatever. And, you know, I'd go in, do my thing, and, you know, crawl out in pain and suffering. Even, in, even though that was painful, there was still a sense of accomplishment, a sense of this is working, this is awesome, this is great. And I got to know people there, I, and in fact there was a guy that I met at that health club that I have run into again at the health club at Del Webb, Richard. This guy has over a million points that he has racked up over the years working out. But you see there's, there's something happens. When people start coming to church with a sense of, I'm going there to get powered, to be empowered, to be challenged, to be lifted up. Are you going to get touched? Will you be physically healed? It's very possible. Will you be encouraged? Yes, absolutely. Hopefully it happens. But it's that attitude of coming. And you don't come to church to, to, well, I hope nobody talks to me. I hope I can get out of here without being bothered. No, you come there with a sense of connecting with people. Of building friendships. If you, can't make, if you can't be friendly in church, then we're all in trouble. It's a safe place. Become friendly. Four things about a friend. The qualities of a friend. Number one, they all start with C's. Care, communicate, commit, and challenge. Number one, care. Friend, a friend begins to desire to see someone else do well. Friends care about each other. I've discovered something that I think I realize now why it is that Jesus said, unless we become like little children, we'll never make it to the kingdom of heaven. Kids make friends amazingly well. They have to be trained to become prejudiced. They have to be taught to not like other people and other people groups. It's not inbred in them they learn it from parents or people or whatever but to care to literally care and commit to the success of someone else is huge and friends if you if you'll just begin to care for those non-saved or unsaved friends the best news that you could give them is not hey you know you really need to try to avoid hell if at all possible no The good news is that God wants to be your friend. God wants to be your buddy. Jesus died so that you could reestablish friendship. So that you could reconnect. God cares about you. That's good news. God wants to be my friend. I'm I'm worthless. God doesn't like me. I've done too many bad things. Trust me, God doesn't care. God doesn't really care about all your bad stuff. It doesn't matter. God wants to be your friend. Jesus said it. I'm not going to call you servants anymore. I want to call you friends. I'm giving you information. Jesus in essence said, I care about you guys so much that I'm going to let you in on some secrets that are so powerful they're going to change the world and you're going to be a part of that program. That's huge to care. Do you know why why marriages fail and are failing today? Because these people aren't friends. They don't even like each other. They weren't friends to start with. For those that aren't married yet, do not under any circumstance marry someone that is not your friend. They will not become your friend later. Find a friend Find someone that you really like to be around, that you enjoy their company, that you you share things in common. And if you'll marry a friend, you're good forever. Why do couples, after being married 30 and 40 years, split up? Because they just, they hung it, they stuck it out for as long as they could, then they realized they didn't like each other, they weren't friends, and they were unfriendly to each other, they didn't like each other, and boom, that relationship died. It's insanity. Friends. I hope this gets deep into your spirit, because if you'll discover the power of becoming friendly, God will use you to do just what we saw on the screen. Become a harvester. It's not about, you know, you know, waking up every morning and, dear God, let me find a really rotten sinner today that I can transform. You're not going to do it anyway. Just wake up in the morning and say, dear Lord, help me to be the friendliest person on the planet today. Because I'm, I guarantee you, there are desperate people out there looking for a friend. I just want a friend. Someone that will care about me. Someone that will care. Number two, communicate. Friends love to communicate. How many of you are on Facebook? How many wish you were not on Facebook? (laughs) Oh, Johnny, that's good. How many of you have friends that will not stop communicating on Facebook? It's like, oh, my goodness sakes do you have nothing else to do with your life? It's like, how do you type all that stuff in there on such a regular basis? Good night. Those people are desperately looking for somebody to communicate with. You know the best, how many of you have been to a restaurant and seen a couple sitting across from each other, both on their phones, not talking but texting somebody? Johnny, have you done that? Good boy. Isn't that amazing? Honey, let's go out to eat. What? What? That's where you smash the phone. Communication. Jesus was a master at it. He began to talk to his disciples. He spoke to them. He, he you know, called them friends. Communication is such a key element in the life of the church I should. I, I. wonder if I could. If I could do this. Let me see if I. I may not be able to pull this off completely. Communication. How do you find out somebody's name? Ask them. That's genius. Google. <laughs> you know, secretly take their picture with your phone and then like, do like a. Google or something. Who is this person? Just ask them. This is Gloria. Hey, Gloria, how you doing? Gina. Anna. Melinda. John. Seif. I'm going to mess this up. I know. Stephanie. Elisha. Karen. I just met Karen tonight. I didn't know her name. Karen. And Pinky. She's been here a while, but I didn't remember her name. God bless you, Pinky. Kurt. And this amazing woman married to him, Crystal, Uh, Wally, Jim, don't, don't tell me. (laughs) Oh, my brain has stopped functioning, literally. I'm, it's over, overloaded now. I'm trying to go through all these names. Rita, I'm sorry, I forgot. Sandra, no, that's not it. Yes, it is. You're right, you're right. (laughs) Sandra. Jennifer. See, it just came to me. I knew it was in there. Jennifer. <laughs> Greg. Um, the Jornses. Ray and Maria. Johnny. Katie. Juna, the beautiful little baby. Tom, Marilyn. Um man, this is hard when I have to do this like this. I know what it is. I'm just, huh? Help me, help me, help me. That doesn't... Sheila. (laughs) Sheila, there we go. See, I knew it. Sheila, Sheila. Now, when I'm done with this, I'm going to test you all. Wait, I missed this brand new lady here. I'm sorry. I'm Pastor Fred. Tia. Tia. Pleasure to meet you, Tia. God bless you. Okay, we did Rita, Carol, Ron, Brad, Dave, Amber. Wait, who's this new guy? It's my son, Eric. Casey, Amanda, Michelle, no. Who's Michelle? Oh yeah, see, I knew I was close. Help me. Yeah, my, I'm literally, my mind is not working. Okay, fine. I'll come back later. Tony, no, not Noah. That's, uh, it's not Elijah. Yeah, it is. Elijah, Amanda, Dorothy. Gene, Steve, Ann, Ann. Okay, good. Who did I miss? Who did I miss? Wait, 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 wait. No. I. Come on, you got to help me with this. I know forever. I know that. I know that. Literally, I forgot Jennifer's name just a minute ago. I'm an old man. Give me. That's it. Sharon. Thank you. See, just help me. That's all you got to do. Sharon. Now, now I did that because I can. <laughs> Why, I want you to be able to do that. Now, how are you going to be able to do that? You're going to have to go up to someone and say, Hi, I don't know your name. What's your name? No, I know your name. Gina, I got that. but. <laughs> But I'm just, within the body of Christ, it is essential that we begin to communicate. Don't come to church and just kind of hang out in your seat. And if somebody sits there, you go, get out of my seat. What's the matter with you? No. Find out who you're worshiping with. How many of you realize we're going to be stuck with each other for eternity? And Sharon, I will never forget your name again, ever. Thanks for helping me. But I want, do you you see? Do you see how it can happen? It can be done. I've been to this church 20 years. But you've not all been here for 20 years. But I want to encourage you in the power of communication. Because a person's name is important to them. Right, Sharon? Okay. I'm going to say that 50 times tonight just to make sure it's burned in my head. But do you understand the power of communication? Why do we name our children? You know, why do you do that? Well, it's just, we're going to do numbers, but it seemed a little impersonal. You know. Hi, what's your name? One. Oh, Juan? No, one. Communicate. Communicate. Talk to each other. Let's become a church like a health club. Don't just come in there and do your exercises and you know, boy, I'm exhausted, walk out and I never talk to anybody. Stop doing that. God help us to become a church that's not friendly but full of friends. Big difference. Big difference. Number three, real quick, commit. Stay with it regardless of the issues of life. Drives me crazy in the church in particular when people like just stop coming. They like disappear. And I've tried to follow up on and find out where they went and what happened to them. I swear some of them have gone into the witness protection program. <laughs> They're gone. They're just gone. And it's like, you know, no communication, nobody talks, nobody says, Hey, you know, we found another church, you know, or we like CLC, but we've decided to go someplace else or you know what, we just retired to Christianity, we decided to backslide, we're becoming Buddhist. I, you know, I don't know, at least tell me what happened. Just give me some information. Communicate. But commit, stick with it. How many of you have ever been disappointed by a friend? If you haven't, you apparently have no friends. But disappointment's part of the game. It's part of the growing process. It's a part of, you know, just... Of course, you know, my wife and I have never, never had any kind of misunderstandings. (laughs) I I was kidding. I was kidding. It happens. And I refuse to do wedding ceremonies where if the couple said, well, we want to change that, you know, till death do us part stuff, we'd like to change that as long as we love each other. Forget that. That could end before the reception. I'm not doing that. Not going to happen. Till death do us part. That's commitment. And the cool thing is in the Christian church, till death unites us for eternity with Christ. That's the cool thing about making a Christian friend and establishing that friendship. Finally, the challenge. Number four. It's like in a health club. You watch these guys that are over there lifting these weights and you're thinking, yeah, that ain't happening. I'm not doing that. I could kill myself. But, you know, that... Now, this is the God's honest truth. Linda and I accepted a challenge at the health club at Del Webb. I saw a sign that said, do, the tri- do a triathlon. <laughs> sure. And then I saw the fine print. Over the next three months. Ah, I could do that. That's a challenge I could do. And we made it. We committed ourselves to that. We accepted the challenge. We swam almost four miles. We ran 26.2 miles, ran and walked, and biked 112 miles in the course of three months. You know, a couple miles here, a couple there. You know, we stuck with it and finished it. And as a reward, we got a water bottle. Hooray. But really, I mean, yeah, I don't have a gold-plated water bottle in my office, you know, saying, there it is, see? No, I don't even know where it is actually right now. But it wasn't about that. It was about accepting the challenge and sticking with it, committing to it and staying with that challenge, and that was exciting. The challenge. A true friend will push you. They'll pull you. They'll annoy you. They'll chase you. They'll cry with you. They'll laugh with you. They'll shout at you. They'll whisper. But they're going to challenge you. They'll challenge you. I thank God for a couple of guys that have, they came to me and challenged me with getting up at 5.30 on Tuesday so I can meet them at 7 a.m. for breakfast and we're working our way through a book. That's a challenge. But I count these men as major friends of mine now. Because they challenged me. They pushed me. And as a result, we're working our way through this book. Mastering Life Before It's Eternally Too Late. Great little book. But you see, that's what friends do. Friendship is all about. Caring, communicating, committing, and and being challenged. And challenging each other. I go back to Jesus' ultimate challenge. Turn to Matthew Chapter twenty eight. And let me let me adjust this just a minute, just a little bit. He said then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, and when they saw him they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make I want to change that word to friends. Go and make friends of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. What greater thing can you share with a friend than, you know, the truth of God's word? Just talking about it, just praying about it, thinking about it. Questioning it sometimes. But as a friend, we can do anything. Jesus was accused of being a glutton, a drunkard, and a friend of sinners. I want that accusation. I want people to be able to say that Pastor Fred is a nutcase, but he's a friend of sinners. He looks like he could be struggling with gluttony just a touch, but he's a friend of sinners. He's a friend of sinners. I want nothing more than to someday stand before God and have him say, Well done. You are a good and faithful friend. And then turn back and say, Father, I brought my buddies. And I hope that's a long line. Not my converts. It doesn't even even say anything about that in the Bible. Converts. Hey, let's have lunch together. I'd really like you to become a convert. A what? I want you to be a convert. You're gonna split hell wide open if you don't become a convert. I need you as a convert. I need 12 more this week to get my quota. No, let's get away from that idea. I'm praying that thousands of people in a few weeks come to the Bonky Crusade to discover that they can be a friend of God, that God wants to be their friend. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for a friend. That's what makes Jesus amazing, Muhammad didn't lay his life down for anybody. Buddha never did. None of the religious leaders of the world have ever laid down their life for friends except Jesus. Jesus did it, and that's awesome. I'm going to close with a little story that I found that I think is just classic. And so I just encourage you to listen as I go through this. It's called No Greater Love. Whatever the planned target, the mortar rounds landed in an orphanage run by a missionary group in the small Vietnamese village. The missionaries and one one or two children were killed outright. Several more children were wounded, including one young girl about eight years old. People from the village requested medical help from a neighboring town that had radio contact with the American forces. Finally an American Navy doctor and nurse arrived in a jeep with only their medical kits. They established that the girl was the most critically injured. Without quick action, she would die of shock and loss of blood. A transfusion was imperative, and a donor with a matching blood type was required. A quick test showed that neither American had the correct type, but several of the uninjured orphans did. The doctor spoke some Vietnamese and the nurses smattering of high school French. Using that combination together with impromptu sign language, they tried to explain to their young, frightened audience that unless they could replace some of the girl's lost blood, she would certainly die. Then they asked if anyone would be willing to give blood to help. Their request was met with wide-eyed silence. After several long moments, a small hand slowly and waveringly went up, dropped back down, and then went up again. Oh, thank you, the nurse said in French. What is your name? Hang, came the reply. Hang was quickly laid on a pallet, his arm swabbed with alcohol and a needle inserted in his vein. Through the, this ordeal, Hang lay stiff and silent. After a moment, he let out a shuddering sob, quickly covering his face with his free hand. Is it hurting, Hang? The doctor asked. Hang shook his head. But after a few moments, another sob escaped, and once more he tried to cover up his crying. Again, the doctor asked him if if the needle hurt, and again, Hang shook his head. But now his occasional sobs gave way to a steady, silent crying. His eyes screwed tightly shut, fist in his mouth to stifle his sobs. The medical team was concerned. Something was obviously very wrong. At this point, a Vietnamese nurse arrived to help. Seeing the little one's distress, she spoke to him rapidly in Vietnamese, listened to his reply, answered him in a soothing voice. After a moment, the patient stopped crying and looked questioningly at the Vietnam nurse. When she or Vietnamese nurse. When she nodded, a look of great relief spread over his face. Glancing up, the nurse said quietly to the Americans, He thought he was dying. He misunderstood you. He thought you had asked him to give all his blood so the little girl could live. But why would he be willing to do that, asked the Navy nurse. The Vietnamese nurse repeated the question to the little boy, who answered simply, She's my friend. God, give me friends like that, amen? We have a friend like that. He did give all of his blood so that we could live and today we walk around with transfused transformed DNA you are a child of God you are not who your mom and dad told you you were today as a child of God born again you got you got a fresh transfusion brand new DNA you've got a an amazing family And the great thing is, we can be friends in the midst of this family. That's the cool thing. And I thank God for that. Thanks for listening. God bless you. Okay? We're not a hospital anymore. We're a health club. Okay? So that doesn't mean you should show up in health club attire for church. Let's not get weird here. (laughs) Keep wearing what you're wearing. It's very nice. Looks great. But being a friend, I want to be a friend of sinners. So that someday, I'll be able to show them, introduce them to the Father. Say, here are my friends. We're all here together. Dear God, let it be so. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thanks so much for the truth of your word. Thank you, God, for just the way that you work with my imagination. And Father, thank you, Lord, that we can leave this place tonight being a friend and maybe just going out and reconnecting with some old friends. Lord, help us to, you know, send an email or a postcard or a letter, make a phone call, and just be friendly. Just... Hey, you know, I was thinking about you. Everything okay? Anything I could pray about for you? And then just let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does and minister to those people. Father, thank you so much for my friends. And I ask you, God, now to bless them and encourage them. And may your name be glorified through their lives as they become friends of sinners. In Jesus' name. Amen.